0: Tony, I like video games. Well hey there, Drake, I like video games too. Well, this is great because it's a new episode of Hey I Like That Game.
1: Ba di did. Hey I like that game.
0: Nice. I like it. Our jingles have gotten so much better. I know they're not. Well, they've gotten more important to me, Tony. Well, how's it going there, Tony? It has been a hot second since our last episode.
1: I know, it's been over a month since our last episode. We had those, like, quick-fire two episodes, and then um, since then we've been kind of quiet. Things are good, man. Life is good. Life is good. How about yourself?
0: Oh, yeah, going great. Just doing some traveling, finishing up my uh, latest degree and job hunting and all that. All that fun stuff playing uh playing a few video games how about you you've been playing any video games tony you
1: know what i have been playing some video games i'm so glad you asked um so uh you know over this past like month or so that we've been uh kind of on hiatus from the show i've been playing a lot of the old standbys i've played a lot of you know heroes of the storm a lot of smash brothers ultimate a lot of that i've been really focusing on trying to get uh, a lot of my characters into the Elite Smash, uh, which has yeah, been. Who are you
0: working on right now for that?
1: Uh, right now, I'm working on uh, Kirby and Bowser actually, Kirby and I'm very Kirby
0: and Bowser.
1: Wow! I know, Because okay. I've because I've gotten like all of my mains kind of in there. Uh, I, it took me. A solid weekend of grinding maybe like two weekends of grinding to get donkey kong in there because i would get like really really close to to hitting that you know uh threshold of getting into elite and then i would lose like two or three matches or something like that or i'd get matched with somebody with some lag and i'd lose um it was it was definitely a trial i was very very frustrated for uh, a little bit but I finally got DK in, so now I'm just trying to I'm trying to spread my wings to characters I don't normally play. So yeah, Bowser's the one that I picked up just very recently, just the past uh, two days or so, uh, and I'm having a fun time with it. I kind of want to get all of the heavies into Elite Smash for me, um, just hmm. because they're they're finally viable. Um, so I, I kind of want to yeah. do that. Um, but uh, but yeah, so other than that, some other like new stuff. I I also have been playing a lot of Smite. Uh, I think I talked about this uh, last episode a little bit as well but but yeah I've been sticking with smite a lot lately that game is super fun I've been playing it on the switch uh, I even enjoyed like their official discord so I could get into like some some more um, you Ooh, know that high level
0: strat talk
1: yeah like trying to get into that a little bit and I'm still not very good at the game I only can play a handful of characters well um, and I still have afraid to dip my toe into conquest which is the five on five you know three lanes massive uh, like the whole
0: like legit moba experience right yeah i'm
1: having a hard time dipping my toe into that but what i like to do is i like to play a lot of joust the three on three one lane small jungle um stuff because you can do you can have a lot of fun with interesting compositions, or you can go with a more standard one and still be effective. Um, but I like the coordination of three people playing together as opposed to you know sticking to lanes and ganking and all that stuff. Like I, I have a lot of fun with jass, so I've been playing a lot of that. But
0: I just love that that game has different game modes in the yes. Robo setting. Like, there's no excuse for like League of Legends and even like Heroes Through the Storm. Like to just, just have that one. Game mode. I mean, I guess HOTS mixes it up by, like, having different maps. But still, it's just... Do something else with it. Just, like, make some other kind of game mode. Of course, not as many people are going to play it, but just throw a bone out to, like, people like us who are more casual about it.
1: Right, right. And and Joust, the three-on-three mode, is so unique to this game, uh, at least from what I can tell. Uh, I haven't really uh, checked in on League of Legends or Dota 2 in a while, but it seems so unique. And I... I have a hard time selling people on playing Smite. So when I do get people to play Smite with me, it's it's not as many people. So being able to get you know two of my other friends together to play, it's way easier um, to, to do that. And I think it's an easier mode for people to grasp as well. So um, I, I really enjoy that uh, experience. It's, it's, it's pretty fun. But the game I haven't talked about in this podcast before that I want to chat about is this game called risk of rain 2. So okay. the original risk of rain, uh, is like a roguelike. Uh, it was a 2d platformer where you're kind of, uh, killing hordes and hordes of enemies, collecting money to, to open up chests that give you randomly generated items. And you're trying to kind of go through these levels just like, Kill a boss, go to the next level. Kill a boss, go to the next level. It's kind of you know deeper, deeper into this uh, dungeon or something. Uh, right. You go classic rogue
0: like setup.
1: Right, exactly. So uh, I never played that game, but I always heard really good things about it. So out of nowhere, they dropped the sequel on early access on Steam. And uh, they were doing a buy one get one in the first like three days that uh, it was out. So I was talking to uh, former uh, guest on our show, Noel. Uh, um, was it One Team One Dream Gaming? Uh, I was Real talking to him. I was talking to him about it, and he was like, "Dude, I love the first one. I'm gonna buy this. Do you want the the other copy?" And I was like, "Hell yeah!" Oh sweet. So, yeah. So I've been playing that, and I also a couple of my other friends got it, so we've been messing around with it. And apparently, what they did was they took the original framework of the game in terms of characters, some enemies, a lot of the same items, like a lot of the same things. Um, they structured uh, in this game the same way, but they turned it into a three, uh, a third-person shooter. So it's a lot more actiony, um, and it's in a 3D environment. I'm, I'm actually loving it. It's really so- fun. You can
0: pl- the first game was a 2D side-scrolling platformer that they basically like took all the assets and concepts from and made it into a third-person action.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Um,
0: okay, yeah, that's the transition.
1: Yeah, it's really it's really crazy. But apparently, you know, from the people who played the first one, like they they did a really good job. And I, as for an early access game, I'm very much like this is this is a great a great early access game that like gets 20 bucks. So it's not a pretty low barrier of entry, a little bit more than most early access games, but fairly low bar, Uh four player multiplayer. They do have matchmaking in there, or you can play single player. Um, there's unlockable characters. There's a lot of different items that you can, you know, unlock and, and mess around with. And again, early access. So there's going to be more and more stuff added to this game as it's, you know, grows more successful, hopefully. Um, mm-hmm. I like it. Like, it's a fun game to mess around with. Uh, runs can take anywhere from, like, you know, if you're really bad, five minutes. But, you know, I've played matches that are, like, 45 minutes in length. And there's enemies all over the screen. It gets crazy difficult. Um, it's it's pretty fun. I'm, I'm having a great time with it. That's uh, Risk of Rain 2 uh, on Rain PC. Two. Yes, yes. All right. Um, what have you been playing, Jake?
0: Well, uh, I've had two uh, kind of classics I've been playing on the Switch. One of them is Civ 6, of course. course. Uh, I've been doing a good amount of uh, traveling, and that game is just the perfect airplane game because you can just play it endlessly and not even realize how much time has gone by so civ6 on the switch fantastic switch is still just the best console ever made it's just (laughs) yeah it's such a good it's such a good thing i love civ on it um and also game we both love another roguelike wizards of legend yes as you told me got a big update recently big free update uh introduced a new boss and whole like kind of like biome i guess yeah um and like a Few new spells and whatnot. I haven't played a whole bunch of it, but what I have done feels good. It's a good update. Like it's noticeable. It adds more content to the game, and that's kind of what happened with, or like, what was the legend really needed? It didn't really have um, much more of an end game after you beat it, and I haven't beat it again since um, the update was released because I'm not good enough. But it's yeah. definitely added some stuff in there, and it's made me made me picking up some more uh, mm-hmm. a bit here and there. I haven't been sitting down to play like a ton of it, but yeah, it's still I, good. I love, it's still really good.
1: I, I love that game. I wish I wish they had an online component, so I mean, you could play it, you know, yeah. online. Like that's one thing that I do wish that game had, because um, I think we would play that game a lot more if they had that functionality on the Switch.
0: Yeah, um, and the two player is just really fun for that.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It's a very. I, I. think that game's great. I. I don't remember who the developers of that game, but I'm. I'm excited to see what they do next. Uh, because mm-hmm. that game is. Is it feels really good. It's got a good feel to it. And I. Exactly. And that's, that's
0: the greatest thing about Wizards of the Legend. Is it has a really good feel and a really good power and a really really good like movement and dynamic to it.
1: Right, and that's the type of thing that. I've, that's like. I think that's difficult to do. I mean, I I don't know a lot about game development, but I feel like that's a really hard thing to do. So right. the the fact that they have nailed that feel of that game makes me think, you know, whatever they do next, whatever genre they they want to tackle, it'll be interesting and, and probably pretty good.
0: So I've been I've been tinkering around with those two a bit more, but the one that's been really in my heart. Uh, in between these last two episodes is the remake of Resident Evil Two.
1: Oh yes, oh, you're a huge boy. Resident Evil fan too, she, right? The thing like
0: is, I don't I wouldn't say that I am. I didn't play any of the the first one I played was R E four. I played hmm. four, five, six. I never played seven. I had don't want to play seven. That kind of gameplay really doesn't do it for me. I'm not huge into the very like profound survival horror genre mm-hmm. like I don't want to play like Amnesia anything like right. that I'm not going to I don't I'm not interested in Silent Hill but what Resident Evil especially starting with like RE4 and as many people would say I think including myself like what got too far in RE6 was it was always good at being a horror action game yeah. and I think RE2 it's definitely leaned a bit more to the horror side of it. Um again, I can't really say for sure. I never played the original RE2. Again, never played any of the like the fixed camera angle ones. Never want to, never gonna, don't tweet <laughs> me. <laughs> but um <laughs> I have I've just I've loved playing I've loved playing this remake. So it's the behind the back, uh, third person sort of setup. Uh it's still like this it's this really great setup. Uh sorry. I can't even get my thoughts in order i'm so excited (laughs) to talk about this game so you it's got a really good atmosphere really good build up the zombies in it are terrifying and they're really difficult to kill and even at the end of the game when you come across one there's still like my heart still like skipped a beat a little bit in a great way so and it also it gives you enough resources where you feel prepared but never enough where you feel like invincible or, like, ready for what's gonna happen because you always know some new shit's gonna come around the corner, you always have to you can't fight every enemy, you're gonna have to run away from a bunch just for the sake of resource management and because a lot of times you just, like, really won't have what it takes to kill a certain enemy so it gives you that constant feeling of being on the edge of your seat, or if you've gotten a bunch of ammo, you're not like cool, I'm so ready to take on a bunch of zombies you're worried, like, oh god, what's gonna happen next, and This game really, for me, nails the kind of interplay between action and horror, where I was still scared and uneasy, but I was still having a good time shooting and, you know, doing all the looting and fun stuff. And this game has done something that I haven't seen another game or really even movie do, is it nails the spooky lab aesthetic. Like, yeah. the last chapter of the game, you're in, like, a spooky lab, and it's so great. It's so spooky. I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about that game. Um, it's, I don't know, like, I, like you, only played uh, four, five, I skipped six. Uh, that's that's probably for the best. Yeah, and I've dabbled <laughs> in a lot of the, I've dabbled in some of the others, but, like, I've never been, like, a, a giant RE fan but I'm hearing so much good buzz about this game in particular that it's, I'm really, I'm watching it. Like I kind of want to wait till it comes down in price to buy it because I feel like this is one of those games where I'll play through it once, maybe twice to get the two different campaigns and then be done with it. Um, mm-hmm. But I love it, man. Capcom's on a roll right now. They've been releasing some hot fire games. I mean, Devil May Cry uh, five people are saying is like really good. This has been I really might good. I actually picked that up. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then Monster Hunter World was fucking great. Like, the, honestly, the last stinker of a game they put out was um, Street Fighter 5, and people are still playing the shit out of that game. You know, I think it's, it's Street Fighter. It's, <laughs> right. I think that's one of the worst Street Fighters ever. But um, it's still it's still getting played. Like, it still is making money for them. So, man, I I'm glad that Capcom is is doing well again, and it makes me excited to see what the future of that company holds, uh, because if they just want to keep remaking RE games or, or putting out new ones that are good. I'm excited about that, but uh, I want them to do something weird again. Like, do some weird shit, put out some crazy you know, new IP, or like, you know, put out Beautiful Joe. Like, do a Beautiful Joe sequel <laughs> or something. Do something weird, man. Like, that's what I want. I want to see some, some crazy well, shit. Well, like, like
0: I never, again, never played RE2, but as far as I can understand, just even seeing, like, images of the original one for the n64 and whatnot this game has really done a whole lot of not just remaking it but remastering it making it modernizing it but still kind of like staying true to that sort of like puzzle box um map mentality that was there for the earlier resident evil games um and yeah if they want to remake some other old games but like throw that new fresh paint on i'm i'm all about that but get weird Capcom, do some cool stuff yeah,
1: um, kudos to them. It's it's good to see Capcom putting out good stuff again. Damn straight. Um, speaking of good stuff, I think uh that's gonna take us to the break. Uh this episode, uh Jake, this was your game, uh Metro twenty thirty three.
0: Yes, yes, is a very good game. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. I'll never do uh, that again. That's it. I'm out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, stick with us after the break, and we're going to talk about Metro 2033.
0: <laughs> hey, everybody. Jake here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hey, Like That Game. If you're enjoying the show and want to reach out to Tony and I, you can email Game at gmail.com. You can tweet me, at LikeThatGame, and you can follow us on Facebook for updates. Enjoy the rest of the episode.
1: And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Today, we're talking about Metro 2033. Uh, Jake, this was your pick for the uh, show, so why don't you tell us a little bit about this game?
0: Yes, yes. So, uh, this game, just its uh, third entry was released not too long ago, Metro Exodus, and there was a little kerfuffle about it being like an epic store exclusive don't really care about that that just made me think of the game metro 2033 which i remember playing way back when i remember i bought this game um not too long after i had got a new pc because it's like i want to test the chops on this pc i'm gonna play metro 2033 (laughs) meant for that to rhyme um so i never actually finished it though and i don't really recall why so i really wanted to visit this game again uh with you tony and mm-hmm. just have a chance to play it and bounce some ideas off of so it came out uh 2010 Yep, from studio a4 which is ukrainian uh we ukrainian game de- development studio which i think is really interesting that sort of unique sort of regional perspective comes through in the game very much so definitely unique on
1: definitely unique voice uh and it it comes through in a lot of different ways in this game Mm -hmm.
0: it's um based on a book i can't remember if it had been published at the time of the game's launch or if it like the author used the game to kind of like push for getting a publisher but it's definitely based on a book which is again feels like an interesting uh, origin for a game it
1: did come out before the game so published Ooh. so published in uh 05 in russia then 2010 in the u.s and then this came okay. and then the game came out uh shortly thereafter
0: yeah and mm-hmm. then just kind of like the history of like 2010 in gaming there were a whole lot of first person shooters that were coming out mm-hmm. some good some not so great I know a personal favorite of yours Halo Reach came out in the same year as this yep. Um, Bioshock 2 which of course not great came out the same year but like still in the Bioshock series because Bioshock 1 came out 7 years prior and that game still holds up so well I played that game last year it still holds up really well sorry yeah. quick aside on Bioshock but it's yeah. there Um, what else was there there was the Medal of Honor remake which I never played but I heard middling things about at best that game sucked um, the Perfect Dark Xbox 360 game came out, which was not very good. Yeah. So there were like a lot of there were a lot of that like rose to the top, like the Left For Dead, some of the Call of, like the Call of Duties was really kinda like That was a start, but was, this was this was before its decline really started. Yeah. Like Modern Warfare two had just come out, uh Black Ops came out the same year as Metro, so it was like in its That's prime, prime, right? That there. that was
1: this was Cod Cod that's prime for sure. Palooza. yeah, yeah, so yep. it's it's interesting like I'm glad you provided that context because I didn't even realize that that this came out the same year as reach and you know, in the heyday of Call of Duty and Bioshock 2 and like you know these other like big uh first person titles like I could see this game getting kind of lost in that shuffle a little bit um, mm-hmm. but I think it's unique voice and very unique setting like this game. Takes place in a post-apocalyptic world. It's um, you know a nuclear apocalypse has happened. Uh, and I believe is in the year like 2013. Uh, so this game takes place 20 years after you know kind of the fall of civilization and mm-hmm. all of humanity, at least in Russia, where the game takes place, has retreated into the metro system. So down into the subway stations and lo- and humans are continuing to live down there obviously it's very bleak um it's uh it's not the greatest scene for humanity uh living no, down it's there it's the bleakest yeah yeah and it's it really does have that you know russian sensibility where things are dreary and kind of shitty but there's still a sense of humor to it people like people are still hopeful um but it's it's definitely a shitty Environment, um, it's it's very, very unique, very unique. I, it's mm-hmm. honestly, it's my favorite post-apocalyptic environment. After playing this game, you know, I've played a little bit of Fallout, I've played a little bit of other you know post-apocalyptic stuff. This, I think, is the best realized one. Um,
0: Absolutely, yeah. I know, like a lot of people would think, like, oh, it's post-apocalyptic, sure, okay, cool, how original, yeah. But this game, so much more than any other game, just nails how fucking drab that existence would be yeah and there's details about it um like you can if you explore some of the like the metro stations or i guess like what passes for towns you'll come across like pig pens and whatnot like how they farm down there there's a lot of really good background storytelling in this game
1: yeah just just people talking around you and Mm -hmm. you're kind of picking up on their conversations like this game has a lot of character that is optional for you to explore but you get a lot out of it when you do um i i think one of the really interesting parts about this game that uh makes it feel very um on point very much like in universe is that the currency of this world are bullets so like bullets are you know that's how you buy things like in in this world it's very um very aggressive you know a lot of people have guns you're um there's raiders there's a lot of opposing military threats and things like that there's there's you know um monsters like um,
0: yeah and there's fucking monsters yeah like the big one yeah like
1: (laughs) mutated monsters and stuff like that so like so bullets are really important for your survival so well there's a
0: cool thing For the bullets as currency, it's not just any bullets. It's the ones that were made prior to the nuclear apocalypse. Because they're, like, pristine, factory-made, shiny, powerful bullets. Not like the crap that's being manufactured in the tunnels. And you can use the two different types of bullets. Like, you can use the crappy bullets, but they're less powerful than the pre-war ones. But, of course, the pre-war ones are currency. You can use them to buy more med kits better guns Mm -hmm. stuff like that so there's a really cool ebb and flow as far as uh what you're going to use and in what situations
1: right and and I, i i really really love the fact that you know, bullets are currency, but bullets are still bullets. So if you're right. a, if you're in a situation <laughs> where you're lacking ammo, it kind of has like we were talking about before with Resident Evil. You know, there is a resource management to this game. There could be situations where it's like, shit, I'm pinned down. I have a bunch of enemies coming on me. I have no ammo. I can switch over to okay. I'm gonna use my you know the currency ammo, which does more damage and it has you know better stopping power, um, and you can use those amp- like those bullets, and it makes you very very conscious of every shot you take, um, which mm-hmm. which I think is brilliant. It's a- it's an absolutely brilliant thing. That's like you're tying together not only the world and the gameplay, like you're you're, it's all of the elements of the game are very cohesive and they work together really well. Um, I love that. Now, um, I just want to say one thing uh, about this game. So I bought it years ago on a Steam sale because I heard nothing but good things about it. Barely played it. uh, And when I booted it back up to play for the show, I completely forgot that this is like, this game's a survival horror game. You know, like this is, um, I thought this was more of a, Uh, fallout 3 kind of i didn't think it was an rpg but i thought it was more of like a survival game hardcore survival i didn't realize there was as much of a story to this game i mean like for me um as you've learned through this podcast i get very drawn in by stories and i'm very critical of the stories but it's um it's one of the my favorite things about some of these games and this game does an awesome job of telling it a cool story within this very unique setting. Um and it kind of it took me aback at first cuz like the first scenes of this game they they immediately show you here's a bunch of monsters, you know, and it's not even just oh, yeah. like here are mutants from, you know, the post-apocalyptic world. It's like no, these are fucking monsters. They call them the dark ones. And they kind of start the game off early uh with this minecart scene that your character Artium uh, has, like, visions. Like, he is communicating with the Dark Ones, or they're communicating with him, rather, um, in a way that's, like, there's more to these monsters than than meets the eye, which I think is, is really, really cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a variety of monsters. There's, like, I think, like, three different types of basically quasi-bipedal like big hulking monsters there's ones that are in the tunnel there's kind of like three ones that are out on the surface and then during one sequence of the game where you're like in a library looking for intel they're like big like, kind of like gorilla ones that are more like bullet sponges yeah like the um, raiders yeah. yeah yeah there's like flying monsters um, and they're then like it, way late in the game. There's weird, like, exploding pustules of radiation. Yeah, and
1: like giant tentacle monster kind of things. Like, they do a yeah, good job. I, f-
0: I forgot about those. Yeah, yeah. They
1: do a good job of but, making, uh, making them different. Yeah, like the cool,
0: different ones. Yeah. Uh, those are all sort of like tertiary to, I guess, what are called the dark ones, which are like these sort of alien, long proportion looking psychic monsters. Yeah. Yep, yep, and yep. they're the ones who give RTM his vision and you can see they have influence over other people too, like they might be knocked unconscious at the same time you are. Yep. Um and the whole point of the game is like your your station gets attacked by some of the like peon monsters and like some ranger who comes by insinuates that the Dark Ones are sort of instigating these attacks, they're the next evolution of humanity, and they're trying to wipe us out. So you're on the mission to basically go to other another station to try to get help to wipe these guys out. Right. And there's a whole lot of stuff that happens, there's there's Nazis on the way. <laughs> Commies there's and Nazis. communists. Yeah. <laughs> there's flying monsters and tentacle monsters and whatnot. Stuff gets crazy. Basically searching for a way to destroy the dark ones. And there's always this undercurrent of like, but why?
1: Yeah. It's it's really it's fascinating. I feel this game is at its best when it's trying to be a survival horror game, when it's trying to scare Absolutely. you. When there are monsters at foot. There's a there's a big section of this game, um, kind of the, um, the the good chunk of the middle is you're fighting other humans. There will be monster fights interspersed in there, um, but the good chunk of it is, like you said earlier, you're fighting commies and you're fighting Nazis. Which like baffles me that these things <laughs> exist in this post-apocalyptic world, but whatever. like They say the Fourth Reich at one point. It's like, wait.
0: What? Yeah, the that's fuck? what the Nazis call themselves. <laughs> it's it's fucking crazy.
1: And that's that's the part of the game that I really don't like. I don't like any of the human engagement stuff because it to me it doesn't fit with the world because it's because it's post apocalyptic and there are these monsters that are inhabiting these tunnels, it's like, man, you guys shouldn't be fighting each other. You gotta be working together to raise humanity up out of this stuff. But like whatever, I guess I guess they needed to have something in there cause it's, cause there's Russians and I guess there has to be Nazis in there, you know, cause who doesn't like to punch a Nazi, you know, like I guess, um, <laughs> but I, I think that's where the game is its weakest. I also, I also think that these human engagements, uh, show one of the, the unfortunate things about this game is that I think the gunplay is not great um Mm -hmm. i think at times the hit detection is also not very great um because there is numerous times where i'm you know training the like i am looking down the barrel of this gun i have it right on somebody's chest around their head bop bop and they don't go down you know or it misses them completely You, you see them not take any damage it's like wait what the fuck um i think it's also important to note that i played the original metro 2033 there was a re-release um, a couple years after. Uh, I think it's called like Metro Twenty Thirty Three Redux or something like that. Where they, right?
0: Yeah, I played on the original as well.
1: Yeah, so they they improved the graphics, they improved some gunplay, they added some you know additional mechanics and things like that. So I am just speaking of the original version of this game. Uh, I, I feel like the gunplay is not great. I also ran into a lot of really bad graphical bugs and hitching uh at some points and and some and some really frustrating points where um i'm trying to play the game the way i would which is normally you know kind of guns blazing and the game kind of slapped me down for that multiple times and said like no you have you have to play the stealth and the game bugs out if you try to do anything else which i really i hated that part of it um but yeah but once but once you're fighting the dark ones like the the monsters those parts i never had a problem with maybe it's because at that point in the game i had better weapons and the combat scenarios were are very different than when you're fighting humans um but those parts i really really enjoyed but you know the the one that sticks out in my mind is like a really bad engagement uh is right before Uh, you meet the character Khan uh, where you're trying to break through a camp of, I don't even remember. I think it's commies. It's like bandits or something like that. Whatever. Um, And it's, (laughs) it's, it's really, it was really frustrating because you're dealing with uh, enemies on one floor and then people that are above you. And it's like, I can't see the people above me, but they're shooting me. And I try to shoot them and I can't because debris is getting in the way, but they're able to shoot me no problem, um, mm-hmm. which is really, really frustrating. And you just – you don't run into that when you're fighting monsters because they lunge at you. You know, they're not using guns. So I don't know. That part of the game was really frustrating. But uh, well, I- Yeah,
0: I think like, – I remember that specific sequence as well and having issues with that because that really highlights this as a good time. As I need to get into it is how – bad the stealth section like the stealth is in this game yeah so this is again the kind of like i think a quirk of a bygone era in that it's basically if you get discovered by one enemy then all of them know where you are immediately there's no hopes of rehiding yeah everybody in the room knows where you are you miff one stealth kill then stealth section over yeah
1: Full-on combat. Good luck. Yeah.
0: Right, right. And that's a shame, because, I mean, it seems like this situation lends itself more to stealthy sort of combat. You're in dark tunnels, fighting other people. A lot of times you don't have the best equipment. The progression of the equipment you get in this game, I think, is really good, too. Yes! Uh, We can talk about that a little bit. Yes! like... The stealth, the stealth doesn't work. But uh, let's anyway. Let's get into the, uh, I guess like the the gun progression. So you start the game, you get a revolver, you get something called a bastard gun, which is a gun that was manufactured in the metro after the apocalypse, and it sucks. Bad ammo or like bad accuracy, bad aiming, can overheat, and like you start with that, and like the shitty two barrel shotgun. And as the game progresses, you basically like meet new people, go to new stations, accumulate more ammo like money, money ammo and you can buy nicer weapons and you very organically throughout the game progress from this really crappy setup to like a, a awesome revolver with a lot of cool attachments you'll have like an ak-47 or like another cool sort of submachine gun and you know shotgun that can handle more ammo and can spread like to out more damage and it just you really progresses organically in a way that you kind of don't notice but definitely from the end of the game to the beginning of the game there's a big power difference
1: yeah yeah and i i I love that you brought that up because i have that written down as well it's like the progression of guns is so nice the fact that you go from guns that visually not just gameplay wise but visually very much slapped together within this within this metro station to close to or even kind of on the nose of like modern military equipment um it it looks and performs right on point as you would expect with that and i love that i absolutely love that because it's it's making you feel stronger it's making you feel like a better ranger it's making you feel um that you can fight hordes of monsters coming at you because once once this game gets to its last quarter of the game you're fighting hordes of monsters coming at you which Mm -hmm. if you're playing on um you know normal difficulty or any of the ranger difficulties like that stuff is very treacherous and dangerous and it leads to some very tense fights and it's like the, the gear needs to be appropriate for that, and I think it does a really, really good job of, of doing that. Um, I, I, I brought up Ranger mode, uh, and I wanted to see like, did you mess with difficulty settings at all? Did you just kind of stay at normal and, and progress through the game that way?
0: I, I only stayed at normal um, for, the, for the playthrough that I did for the podcast, but honestly, I would probably recommend doing the Ranger because as far as I understand, that just sort of pulls back the UI yep. and makes ammo drops less plentiful because I never because you have to uh, keep ammo stocked. You need gas mask uh, like filters stocked. Um, what was the other thing? I wrote all these down. You can um, you have a flashlight and what you yeah. can do is you have to like go and like charge it every once in a while or else you're gonna run out of yeah uh, run out of charge there. So there's a lot of cool stuff there. Um, Oh, and med packs, too. Yeah. And, but in my normal playthrough, I never felt like I was low. I never felt like I had to conserve those. I could just go in, guns blazing, and destroy everything if I needed to. But I think the Ranger mode, where that's much more limited, the HUD's more limited, it's a more reliant on you kind of being on top of your shit. Yeah. That seems like the proper way to play this game if i'm being honest
1: yeah i i mess around with uh ranger mode on easy a little bit um just to kind of get a feel for it And i did a couple of combat scenarios that i, I really enjoyed that because again i think this game even without ranger mode it does a good job of hiding a lot of the hud so you're always seeing Kind of through the eyes of the character like you mentioned before with the gas mask you know in in certain situations in the game you have to put a gas mask on because there's you know nuclear radiation poisonous gas is about you need to have a mask on to traverse these different areas and it does a good job of when you have the mask on, there's an overlay on the screen like you would have over your eyes, and when you take damage, the mask starts cracking and stuff. So like you can switch out that mask if you find it in the environment, but like in really intense firefights when you're in, you know, nuclear areas we need to have the mask. It you see it cracking and stuff and it adds to the stress of the situation. You know, like it's it does a really good job of communicating that stuff without A bunch of numbers on screen without health bars on screen without any of that stuff Uh, and then ranger mode just takes that to the next level uh, and really makes you be cognizant of your inventory management of your health Uh, like I i was looking up like ranger mode on hardcore it's like it's basically one shot one kill not just for you but for the enemies as well because like i really like games that um, if they give you difficulty options, it's not just, okay, now all the enemies are bigger bullet sponges and you take more damage. It's no, everything's more dangerous for both you and the enemies. I think they did a really, really smart job with that. Um, and, it, and it makes it very fun. Like, I often don't consider playing through games like this a second time just because like once I get through the story, once I kinda know what's happening and, and see all the scenarios, I'm like, okay, I'm good moving on. This game makes me kinda wanna come back to it. Like I I probably won't if I wanted to, I'd probably buy the Redux version, and play a, a more uh modernized version, but like it's very cool that, that option is there and that it's it feels realized, you know?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. That's a very good point nail right on the head especially with the that's always an issue I have with difficulty filters too that's I think like with Breath of the Wild their master mode that's one of the things that really took me out of it is the only difference is the enemies just have more health and have health regen and that doesn't that's not more difficult that's just I mean it is more difficult but just in an artificial not enjoyable way and this game seems to know how to do increased difficulty Yeah. which is refreshing it's really cool
1: one thing I want to talk about here uh in particular is kind of again going going off of the the world building that this game does because it's a very realized world like you feel the depression, you feel the um just how shitty it is to live in this environment, but they do a really interesting thing where they introduce some supernatural elements to it where it's like you know, there are these dark ones that some of them have psych- psychic abilities. They also show these things called anomalies, which are basically like floating um, balls of electricity that are yeah. traveling around the metro. And they'll basically kill anything in its vicinity, including dark ones, including humans. You know, so it's – they are – the way one of the characters, Khan, describes it, it's like there's no morality to it. It all It's all – Based on your perspective, it's like fire. You know, like fire can cleanse evil or kill good people. You know, it's just is. It's just a fact of life now, which I think is fascinating. That you know, this world has changed completely after the nuclear holocaust, Um, and now there's being introduction of these new elements that are supernatural but it's not unbelievable because the nuclear winter by itself is almost unfathomable right Mm -hmm. so like why not have these elements there um Mm -hmm. they showed kind of like ghost-like features too at one point um that i was that i was a little weirded out about and they didn't pull on that thread enough i felt like it, it just kind of went nowhere but they're setting up this world to be like there's more here than what you think there is um Mm -hmm. which i find incredibly fascinating
0: right yeah i mean the ghosts were a weird thing uh so i actually like that talk about the anomalies where it's oh it's not necessarily evil inherently that almost seems like the thesis of the game itself yeah Um, which is interesting that usually you usually can't find that within a video game that level of um Almost like thought or introspection within it. Uh, it's it's refreshing. And it's really interesting to see in a game, and it's a, it's a neat perspective. But yeah. it kind of in that same area of the game, it does bring up the ghosts, kind of like these shadows. And so I guess like the in-game exp- exp- explanation given to it is that oh, like humanity's destruction of the world was so complete that it destroyed heaven and hell as well, and now there's nowhere for these souls to lay. Um, and I'm not sure how poetic that's or literal that's supposed to be uh but yeah it's basically just like the ghosts come up a few times and mechanically they're basically just a way to cover up invisible walls (laughs) as far as i can understand yeah yeah but it adds like a cool atmosphere to it because it's uh, you can't see them unless your flashlights on what you do is it's just like it's basically just like a shadow that's right there and it's it's eerie and it's cool like I don't really give a shit how it's justified in game because it's kind of a cool thing. I don't care that it's just hiding a oh, invisible wall and you're trying to restrict this playfield. Like I get it, cool. You're doing it in a neat way that also is a little bit eerie. So yeah. I'm all about it.
1: Yeah, and, and and just getting to that point about eerie, you know, like the fact that you basically the game is it's really hard to see in this game. I I struggled with that yes. throughout the entire playthrough. Like I had a really hard time seeing enemies in some spots. I had a really hard time like. Sometimes seeing where to go um, or really getting a lay of the land because it is so dark and so dreary but of course it is because you're living in the fucking metros in the nuclear winter <laughs> like it it seems appropriate and the fact that you basically always have to have your flashlight on if you can depending on your difficulty level um, and you know, that adds a bit of tenseness to it. Like, I can't tell you how many times where it's like, I have my flashlight on and then I turn around and there's like a monster and it's like the monsters are creepy looking. And then you also have a flashlight on them so you can see their faces. And it's like hairy, mm-hmm. grotesque looking faces staring stereoty- a weird lip. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like, it's really effective. It's really, really effective. Um, I, I absolutely loved that part of it. Um, I do want to talk about the end of this game because the end of this game Yeah, is I think
0: I think it's a good thing. So it, we'll throw up the spoilers spoilers here. We're getting to the very very end.
1: Right. If you if you're worried about being spoiled by a 10-year-old game, um.
0: I mean I think it's it Yeah, I think it's worth putting the spoiler up for for this game to be yeah. uh, to be fair. Yeah. This is one where it's I think obscure enough and the ending of it gets interesting enough yeah. where if you're at all curious about playing it definitely go for it get the redux uh spoiler talks go yes. for it tony
1: so um this game does like the last quarter of this game is you're kind of building up to this you're trying to save your home and the city you go to kind of your end your mission at the beginning of the game is to go to this one city find this guy miller um and see if you can get resources to help protect your city you go there, the council of this major city, which feels great when you're first like entering it, like it feels yeah. like they well realized like, oh, this is probably humanity's last bastion here. Like they do a really good job of showing that. Um, but the council says, no, we're not gonna help you. So you kind of have to take it into your own hands. you go through and you find information to to find uh, like a missile uh, a missile silo basically. And, you know, go to this like military base, kick on all the power. You've got launch codes now. So you have to go to the highest point that you can get to. So you can kind of designate the location to blow up the dark ones and save your city. The last part of this game is you're climbing this tower to put the laser laser designator at the top. So you can, you know, nuke the dark ones and Throughout the game, from the very first sections of it, you keep getting these visions where the Dark Ones are trying to communicate with you. You know, you'll black out for a second and you'll be in this kind of ethereal-looking area and you'll have, like, a voice that's kind of pulled away from you. It sounds human, but not quite. It's really odd. Um, And as the game progresses, you kind of start to realize these are the Dark Ones trying to communicate with you. And once you're in the tower, they are basically fighting with one another saying like he's gonna kill us or no we have to stop him or no he's not gonna do it you know like they're they're trying to fight for their own lives and kind of fucking with your head at the same time and it gets to mm-hmm. like the the last stretch of this game they do like a really interesting thing where like you're fighting within your own mind at the top of this tower like you've already placed a laser laser designator not on there. And you're in this surreal environment where like you're walking down a hallway and the hallways being built as you're walking, which is really like a neat little trick. Like I've seen it in games before, but it's a nice, it's a nice little trick. Um, and you're basically having to fight against the dark ones, like either controlling your mind or talking you out of destroying them. And, at the end of the game, you can you can choose, depending on your actions, to
0: right not, these to like not, hidden actions they have that are like morality boosters. Right, that
1: the game doesn't tell you anything about, which I'm on the fence whether I like it or I don't like it. But basically, um, the canonical ending is that you destroy the dark ones. Like you can see from the top of this tower, um, a really awesome mm-hmm. looking Vista of the, the, the nuclear winter apocalypse world. But you see this giant epicenter that's like, that looks like some crazy shit. That's where the Dark Ones are at. Um, and you send these missiles there to blow them up. And then you kind of, the last kind of knife that they they, dag, they uh, poke into you is, oh, the Dark Ones, they're alluding to that they were trying to be peaceful and that everything all the attacks and all this other stuff were it's all self-defense and that they were trying to um peacefully coexist uh so it does one of these switcheroos on you where it's like oh humanity is the monster here not these you know quote-unquote dark ones which right is effective um i think it's I think it's a good little turn, heel turn thing. It's been done in so many different things. I mean, like, comes to mind uh, off the top of my head that like Captain Marvel did that, basically, in, in that movie that just came out this year. Um, so this isn't like an unseen thing, but what it does is that it makes me very continually interested in this world. You know, it makes me want to play the next two games of this series because I want to explore this a little bit more. You know, like, do the dark, do, did we kill all the dark ones? Do, is that still a part of this universe? Like, is there a way to peacefully coexist with them after destroying so many of them? Right, yeah, uh, after
0: that attack. Or,
1: yeah, or is this, you know, now an all-out war between the two? Or does Metro now go all of a sudden towards, you know, the... Forth right Nazis and communists or whatever like I, I'd feel like that would be a, a bad way to go because I think the supernatural stuff of this is the interesting part but but yeah like what what was your take on, on the ending and, and kind of those last events?
0: Well yeah it was it was definitely a very interesting way to finish the game so it sort of builds up this potential final boss battle between you and these flying monsters that have basically been a giant nemesis for you every single time you've tried to go on the surface um and then i mean that's it is there to an extent like you do have a big firefight with them not that they have guns that'd be kind of neat but they don't (laughs) um but at the end it's sort of like the finish of the game does take place in this dreamscape and it's almost more of like a it's like a platforming puzzle instead of like a final climactic gun battle which is I don't know it's fine like I I get like what they weren't trying to go for like this isn't a gun battle type of finale so thematically it makes sense mechanically it's a little it's kind of an odd way to finish a game um but it does bring up this interesting sort of ending to it and of course it is it has been done before it's usually not done as often that sort of um the storyline and actually as i as I heard from the the conclusion of the book is that basically once the missiles are in the air is when r t m realizes, oh no, these guys are just they're just trying to defend themselves, and now there's nothing I can do to help them. We're already on the way to destroying them, and it's a bit more tragic in that way in a way that the game doesn't really that doesn't it doesn't nail in the same way that it's, it sounds like the novel uh might have but yeah. I think it's cool, I, cause they bring up the dark ones, like especially the telepathic ones, being hostile and scary and you know angry sort of forces. Uh, but they never truly come across as being evil. There are the um, there is sort of the mentality of like oh save us, save things. Um, They'll give you occasionally visions of what the world looked like before the nukes fell. Right. And it is it is heartfelt. I don't think it's delivered entirely perfectly in the best way possible, but it is, I think, delivered well, and it does give the ending a bit more of a, a bittersweet twinge to it.
1: Yeah, it... It's a nice cherry on top of a story that is, you know, hit or miss throughout, but I think it's very effective. Like, like I don't know who Art Tim is as a character because the only time you hear him are in between loads, like in between mm-hmm. the ch- checkpoint loads, kind of. You hear Art Tim like, say a handful of words. He never talks throughout the campaign. Um, all of the companions you kind of meet throughout the game are never really realized at all like bourbon is just a smuggler and then he dies very unceremoniously khan seems to be like just a strange dude that like
0: some wizard shaman sort of obi-wan kenobi type character
1: right and then he kind of just walks out of the game and then you only really hear about him in passing again i guess like miller um, the guy you are supposed to be fine, the key's a little bit more fleshed out, but like him and his crew, they're just military bros. Like that's really it. Right. So you don't, I'm not attached to any characters in this game and I'm not attached to Art Tim at all either. Like nope. it's more, I like this world or like I'm fascinated by this world. And the fact that they add this whole kind of wrinkle to it with the dark ones, it's like everything here isn't cut and dry. You know, like I wish... I wish this game had more time to breathe to make their characters feel better, um, but it's like it's a really solid first entry point. And unlike a lot of the other games we've played uh, for this show so far, I actively want to play the other games in this series. I kind of want to read the books. Like it. Wow. Yeah. It. This has opened a new like franchise to me in a way that I didn't, I, I wasn't expecting. Um, I was not well, expecting. You got to get
0: the, you got to get the Epic game launcher to make sure you can finish the trilogy. though. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I kind of want to, I'll, I'll kind of take it at my own pace, but I, I understand why people praise the, the Metro series as much as they do now. I fully understand it. And um, I, I consider myself a fan now for
0: sure. Yeah, I, I think that's very much on, on par with how I feel. Um, I had a few issues with, uh, like, it's constantly, not like constantly, but like very, you're always, uh, not you're very often paired up with a companion. Um, it's not an escort mission per se, but you're paired up with them and a lot of times, progress in the mission is gated off by waiting for your companion to get there. Yep. And there are a few times where, uh, like, there's this one instance when you're with Khan, the Obi-Wan Kenobi, who he's just... He's a killing machine. And on playing, like, on normal difficulty, I just, just stood in the corner and let him mow down wave after wave of these monsters, and I didn't have to do anything. Yeah. Um, so there are, there are... I mean, there are some downsides for sure. The frequent companion mechanism that that doesn't work very well there are some graphical issues like the character models aren't always great and this game feels like it is the starting point of something greater so it does make me very curious about the next game in the series metro last light which i've heard kind of ups all those things the story might be a bit more it, it, the story as i've heard is a little stranger not in a good way but like this the story is weaker. Basically, I'm trying to find a way to say the story is weaker, but in a nicer way because I think this series is really interesting. Yeah. Um, but it makes me curious. It definitely makes me curious. Um, uh, I guess this is as good a time as any to get into our final ratings on the game. Yeah. Um, oh God, Tony, this one's tough. This one's tough. Do a five, uh, like, out of five rating for it. Oh, I so might...
1: you're going back to your scale? All right. No, I think I
0: have. I think I have to go with the. I think I have to go with your scale. I think your scale is now the de facto
1: Okay, so we'll rating
0: mechanism for this podcast. We will um, go
1: we will go back to the dichotomous scale.
0: I'm going to say this is a, a a hey, I like that game. Um if you if you've played a bunch of other not like a bunch of other. If you've played other shooters from this era and there's nothing else that you've really wanted to explore, I would definitely recommend picking up the Redux remastered version of this and giving it a whirl because it's definitely, I think, a I don't want to say forgotten gem, but it's definitely a cult classic from this era that is worth your time. And if you're at all interested, then maybe go go and get that and go more in the series.
1: Yep, I completely agree, Jake. This is definitely a, hey, I like this game. A hundred percent. I am excited to see what the rest of this series has to hold.
0: Um, Great pick, Jake. Uh, I haven't given you a good pick in a long time. That feels so good to hear. Well, no,
1: no. to (laughs) to be fair, uh, Metroid Fusion is also very good. That was a very good game. You have started off 2019 very
0: strong. You know what that means. Oh, God. The next game I can pick for you is going to be real shitty. Yes.
1: (laughs) Uh so do jake do we have any emails do we like to, what are our fans telling us
0: uh well we got we got a couple of fresh hot emails uh so this first one is from uh andrea gabay uh hi jake and tony i'm the biggest fan of you both although i don't even play half the games that you discuss on the podcast it's still very entertaining and i love your dynamic Aw, thank
1: Aww, you. Aw,
0: <laughs> cute. I've been catching up on your podcast, and uh, and so I'm writing this email. I wanted to request if you could, you two could play Luigi's Mansion. It's like my fave game ever, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Ooh. So, uh, we'll we'll wait to hear what Tony's game pick for the next episode is, but definitely we'll keep that one in our back pocket because I would love to talk that, about Luigi's Mansion.
1: That sounds like a really good Halloween game. Maybe We'll do a Halloween Ooh, episode. Oh
0: yeah, Luigi's perfect. Mansion. Yeah,
1: I think that's a good. And idea. then
0: uh tbh i'd actually really love to hear you guys talk about the chaotic storyline and pure fun that is kingdom hearts but maybe for another time if you feel up for it i would i've played so little kingdom hearts but like before three came out the whole like internet culture descending upon how bonkers that story is i think that would be interesting to talk about um but yeah, we'll see what uh, what Tony wants to play. But I think *Richie Drea- Mansion* that's a good one to keep keep around. Thank Drea- you, thank you for your email, Andrea.
1: Andrea, um, *Kingdom Hearts*. You don't want me. You don't want me to go in on *Kingdom Hearts*. <laughs> I like. I I am a fan of that series, but you don't want me to go in on that because I can't. I can't do it. I
0: can't. So. Well, full it. disclosure for all the uh, all the fans who aren't in the up and up Joya is is indeed my my partner and I've watched <laughs> her play some Kingdom Hearts 3 it's hilarious because it's... the game gets so like, Final Fantasy, weird, convoluted, and all of a sudden the camera pans a little bit to the right and there's fucking Donald and Goofy. And then I get <laughs> yeah. snapped back into this weird mindset of, like, oh, that's what Kingdom Hearts
1: is. Dude, that whole series is so far up its own ass. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's fucking insane. And it's still... It's like a train wreck that I just want to watch over and over again. I just don't know oh, why. Don't absolutely. know why. Absolutely.
0: Uh, But then we have a we have another email here from uh, uh, Danny Danny Newport says Hey Jake and Tony, love the show. Keep up the good work. As a big JRPG fan, I loved your episode on Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door, and want to request another classic in the genre. I'd love an episode on uh, Grandia Two for the the Dreamcast. Okay, I look forward to hearing it. Love, Danny. p.s. hopefully this delays the inevitable of making tony play fallout or elder scrolls game (laughs) nothing will delay that inevitable march of time (laughs) and uh pps at this point you've probably figured out this is actually tony emailing you from another fake email address but i have an important (laughs) question for you Will you be a groomsman for my wedding? And of course, Tony. Of course, Tony, I will. Jake! Our big, our big Tony's getting married, <laughs> and I'm so excited for him. Hey, I like that wedding! Oh. Yes, yes. He's all grown up, and I will 100% be a groomsman in your wedding. And I guess that means I know what we're talking about for the next episode, too.
1: Yes, yes. We're talk- We're doing you too. That is... Our next episode, uh this I'm not
0: buying a Dreamcast, Tony. <laughs> no,
1: so fortunately they put out a um I guess it would be like a a, a remaster or or maybe it's just a re release of uh this game on Steam. Uh, it's only twenty bucks. Uh it has a couple of different creature comforts to it. Um but this is one of my favorite like under the radar jrpgs when i first got a dreamcast um i didn't have a lot of games for it so i kind of went out and bought anything that was uh, available uh this game is fantastic i really loved it It came out in in 2000 and i haven't played it since then so it's been almost 20 years since i've touched this game uh so i'm I'm actually really excited to dig back into it uh grandia 2 is our next episode uh i cannot wait to talk about this game with jake well, wait.
0: I guess I guess I'll be the final judge on how good it truly is. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to reach out to us with an email, you can email at us uh, at Hey I Like That Game at gmail.com. Tweet us at Like That Game, or find our Facebook page. We are Hey I Like That Game Podcast. Uh, and stay prepared for our next episode on Shit. What's it called?
1: Grandia, grandia 2 grandia
0: grandia dos.
1: there you go fantastic
0: and congratulations once again tony excited for the wedding bravo <laughs> all right tune in next time everybody bye bye
1: thanks for listening everybody Make sure to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And also drop us a rating and review. It would really mean a lot to us. Thanks. Tune in next time.